0: Welcome back to the podcast with me, Jonathan Puddle. This is episode 51. I've got an interview coming up right here with Max Lucado. I was super, super excited to be able to talk with Max, one of the most uh, top Christian authors in the world, and we had a really encouraging discussion about happiness and how to become happy and what happiness even is. So uh, stay tuned for that. But last week I did an interview with Ruth Joe Simon. Some of you hopefully listened to that. It was uh, really well received. Ruth is a wonderful artist and businesswoman and, and mother of, of a bunch of boys. And she's got a brand new book out called *Beholding and Becoming*. And I promised to do a giveaway. A bunch of you entered the draw, and I'm going to click the draw button right now. Drum roll, and the winner. Davina Bruss. So I will be dropping you an email. Davina, hopefully I pronounced your name right. Please forgive me if I got it wrong. Congratulations! You have won a copy of Beholding and Becoming the Art of Everyday Worship by Ruth Joe Simons. I'll have that coming out to you soon. Ladies and gentlemen, there is another giveaway in this episode. I've got two of Max's books to give away. So have a listen to our conversation and then jump on jonathanpuddlecom giveaway to enter the draw to win his books. Uh, Let's go. Today, I am very, very excited to have one of the most prolific Christian authors today. He's written over 120 books, sold over 100 million copies in 54 languages. As an aspiring author and avid reader, this is kind of a very exciting conversation for me to have. Uh, And he's also been in pastoral ministry for decades. Mr. Max Lucato, what an honor. Thank you for joining me on the show.
1: Well, thank you. It's a a great honor. The honor is entirely mine. I'm very, very excited to have this conversation with you.
0: That's very kind. I have a couple of confessions that I would like to make, if that's all right. I know you're not a Catholic priest, but uh, (laughs) first of all, this book here, How Happiness Happens, your latest book, is the first book of yours that I have actually read for myself that's that's no no need to confess that <laughs> it feels all. like i feel like i need to confess that uh and and partly uh, the reason i feel i need to confess that is that your name has loomed in my conscious psyche my entire uh, life uh, and i've never put the work in to read a book so uh my grandfather he uh was a a lay minister and accountant and uh so I I was born in 1986. Your first book I believe came out in 85. That's right. That's right. I remember my entire life sitting down in my grandfather's study because he had a computer. He had an IBM <laughs> before Windows and I used to play some weird game. And up on his bookshelf, he had like the first edition of The Message by Eugene Peterson, which I had no idea what that was. Yeah. And these Max Lucado books, and so wow. so was that in New Zealand? That was in New Zealand. Yep. <laughs> my goodness!
1: Wow, that's great. That's great. So,
0: so your head, your name has been rattling around in my head for all these years, <laughs> and I really am honored and excited. You poor thing.
1: <laughs> you poor thing.
0: <laughs> so I, I finished reading this yeah on the beach, which I think is a great place to read a book about happiness. Yeah. That's right. So That's right. Uh, it's called How Happiness Happens, Finding Joy in a World of Comparison, Disappointment, and Unmet Expectations, which, which grabbed my attention immediately. I mean, who, what human doesn't have unmet, unmet expectations? Where did this one come from for you?
1: Well, um, th- thanks for that story, by the way. It's just amazing. You know, my, uh, my first book came out in, I think, eighty five. And so it could, it, he could have had one of my very first books. My daughter, my oldest daughter was born in 84. And so they have, I've tried to keep up that. No, I think she was born in 85. No, 84, 84. So my first book came out in 84. Cause they're the same age. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, all of my books, uh, nearly all of my books come out of a sermon series that I prepare for the church. And, uh, This one kind of has an interesting background uh, because I had uh, prepared a a series for the summer. Uh, For some reason to me, a sermon series in the summer has a different feel to it than a sermon series that begins in September or January or Easter Sunday. It needs to be kind of light and moving quickly and realizing people are in and out, not contingent one upon the other. So it's a bunch of one offs. And so I'd saved this idea of a sermon series on the one another verses of the Bible mm-hmm. for a summer. And um, and so I did. I, I was bringing these one another verses. There's 59 one another verses in the Bible, and um, I reduced the whole list down to about 10 to get it to fit in the summer. And um, things like greet one another, encourage one another, forgive one another, admonish one another. Basically, it's interpersonal relations one-on-one. And, and then uh, after I finished the sermon series, I came across some, I was reading uh, a magazine article that mentioned that um, one out of three uh, Americans are not happy. Uh, a study, there's a some type of uh, study that calculates and grades happiness levels. And, and this is the ninth year of the study, and this is the lowest year uh, ever. Significantly, a dip in happiness. Now, I know that's not true for Canadians because you're proverbially happy people. (laughs) You're wonderful people, and I love you. Uh, But we could use some help in in the United States. Uh, And and that struck me. And so, those two things were happening at the same time. Jonathan, I'd finished that sermon series. uh, I was reading about happiness, and I thought, "Wow, I'm going to take that this idea of." really the source of how to discover happiness. And I'm going to try to marry those two, because I think that the big idea of the one another verses is we really, there's a boomerang effect that when we encourage others, we are encouraged. When we uh, greet others, we're blessed. When we forgive others, we're, we're strengthened. And, and so I went back through those sermons and I began turning it into a manuscript, weaving that idea through. That here's really how happiness happens by putting these one another promises into effect.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed the way that you lay them out; that they're sequentially uh, presented, and the research. Uh, I, you know, I was really pleased to to see that all throughout. You know, I mean, my generation are, we love research and facts and figures, and and I, I you you bring up that story. Uh, the sorry, the research piece regarding income levels. And that once you make essentially once you're out of abject poverty, and you've got your basics and healthcare and so on covered, the study revealed that further money doesn't increase happiness. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, yeah. We can't we can
1: say that money does have make us happy to a degree. You know, Uh, so I don't want to dismiss that because if you can't pay your bills, well, of course, you know, then you're and then to suddenly be able to just pay your bills. There's going to be a release of stress and you're going to be happier. Yet, at a certain point, uh, the difference between a middle income family and a upper, higher income family, the happiness level in those two individuals or homes is not significant. Mm-hmm. It's not significant. So at that point, we really can re- say, no, the more, hap- more, more and more and more simply does not make us happy. Yes. Uh, there, there comes a time in which we, are able to financially support ourselves. And at that point we have to be able to develop a happiness source from, a, from another source. And I think this is important, you know, um, happy people are healthy people. Mm-hmm. I mean, physically it helps us to be happy. Happy people have better relationships, happy people, are even uh, statistically they earn more in money. I mean, we are more successful. Uh, so there's a lot to being happy than just having that positive feeling yeah. going on
0: inside us. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you quite consistently move us away throughout the book on from from possessions, status, all the many things that, that we get duped into thinking are the sources of our happiness. Uh, and then you reposition that in the one another scriptures. And I, I really valued that. I'm very community minded in my life and... I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on, on how, how you feel like American Christianity inter- wraps around this particular issue, right? If if America, if we could say, is probably one of the most like possession and status and, and happiness-focused countries in the world, right? Like the rest of us don't have this American dream necessarily of health, wealth, and, and happiness. How does that influence the faith of the country? And do you think there's a wake-up call for people or...
1: I, I I think that's a very perceptive question, I really do. I've I've lived overseas myself, I, I lived in South America for most of the 80s, uh, and my ministry was in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And uh, I found among the Brazilians, uh, the ones with whom I worked, they were in, mainly in the lower income to desperately low income families. Yet I found among them such a level of happiness that are resonated with the idea that we've all seen happy peasants and unhappy millionaires. Uh, that that was a chapter of a book I read. That we've all seen unhappy happy peasants and unhappy millionaires because that is really the case, and I think that's truly the case uh, in the United States because we have so many messages coming at us that um, uh, we're, we're believing. And that is that if only I had more, I would be happy. If only I had more, I would be happy. And since we have happiness written right into our Constitution, then we think, well, the quickest way to be happy is to get more or to own more or to advance or to retire or aspire or acquire uh, all of these things. Well, here's what happens, Jonathan. Uh, and I think the research really bears this out. If I think more is going to make me happier, then I do feel that happiness once I have more for a time, but it doesn't last. Mm. We learned this as kids growing up, right? But we think one more toy and I'll be happy. We are happy for a while, but then, so but when that doesn't happen, when the marriage does not bring me the happiness I thought, or even the job promotion doesn't bring me the happiness I thought, or the brand new Ford Bronco that's being released in a year or two doesn't bring me the happiness that I thought then I get cynical mm. it, there's a downward spiral that happens uh, the, the 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 your listeners can't see me move my hands but I'm making that circle there's a circle that we go down and down and down and down and as a pastor I think I see this a lot in people and and that is as we get older I'm 64 now my generation we we get cynical. Nothing can bring us happiness. Mm. We get angry and bitter and toxic. And so instead of uh, assuming that somewhere there's a happier day waiting on me, we finally give up on that. Mm. We just give up. And We settle ourselves into this gloom and doom uh, mentality uh, that really takes its, takes its toll on us that helps explain why only one out of three Americans can check the yes on the happiness box questionnaire. Yeah. That's pretty, that's a pretty low number. I think to think that one out of every three people I'll see on a given day in a restaurant or a shopping mall, only one out of three would say I'm really a happy person,
0: certainly for a country that essentially exports the idea that we are the happiest people, uh, you know, <laughs> on, on Earth. Right. I mean, through Hollywood and so on. Yeah. And I don't say that to, to rag on America. <laughs> America's a oh. wonderful country. Are you like where does your where do you fit in that kind of Are you naturally a happy person? Is happiness something that you fight for? Ha- have, have you seen that change in your own life?
1: Where do you get all these good questions?
0: That is really... <laughs> I my, you know, Okay, I'll tell you, answer that question honestly. My wife said to me three or four months ago, all I have ever wanted is for you to feel happy. And uh, I realized that I didn't think I believed that. That I thought she was somehow out to get me or out to change me or out to improve me. And I realized that my wife's deepest desire for me, I didn't believe. And so... I've been doing a lot of soul searching and trying to figure out what went wrong here, that all she wants is for me to be happy. And I never saw that. So this was timely for me. So I've been mulling over it. So,
1: Yeah. Did it surprise you that she said that, or did it surprise you that, uh, she did not perceive you were happy. What's, what's kind of behind that question?
0: I think, I think, uh, I think a few, a few things, right? Like I've, I've, uh, like so many people my age, it's like we we get busy, we hustle, and we're the most depressed, anxious, burned-out generation yet. So I've had a fair bit of my own emotional health struggle. So at one point it was, I just want you to be at peace. That was my wife's desire for me. And as I uh, came through and learned a lot about my mental health, my emotional framework, came to a place of stability, I think her desire for me you know, shifted into that. I would really like you to be happy. I would like to see your dreams fulfilled. I would like you to feel that you are, uh, you know, making a living a meaningful life and all those things. And I think for me, I don't know, there was like a, a a mistrust. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like a a core failure in my belief that my wife was for me. Mm. Um, at a, at a deep level in my, I mean, this is me being very vulnerable here with everybody. You are, but um, yeah. I mean, I I feel like God is inviting a lot of us, especially men, to stop being more honest and vulnerable about their inner world, and so that's what I've been trying to do. Um, so that that's where some of those things are coming out for me. Like, I think I actually I've been self sabotaging myself, and I think I know. You, you've said in the book, like, a lot of this stuff about happiness actually is not rocket science. Like, we already kind of know this. So for me, I'm saying, well, why am I self-sabotaging? Why am I doing things that actually, like Paul says, I mean, I do the things I hate. Why do <laughs> you know?
1: Those are insightful thoughts on your part. They really are. They, they very much are. And good for her mm. to address that. And good for you to give it some serious thought. I just have a couple of thoughts. Please. And one is, let's be sure that we understand, have a realistic definition of happiness. It's not a feeling of giddiness. In fact, it's a little bit less emotion that it is a conviction. Mm-hmm. I like the word conviction. And it is a deep-seated conviction of contentment, a deeply rooted or seated conviction of contentment. And that, that is to say, I may not be in the best mood all the time. And I may not always have that happy expression on my face, but, but dig down deep and I'm going to say, you know, I'm, I'm happy with how the lines have fallen in my life. Mm. Uh, I, I would, I understand and, and without getting into the deep, you know, theological parts of it, but basically we believe there's a good God and he's running the world and that we're going to be okay. So it's kind of comes out of that. And so what I hear your wife saying is I like you to be happy, to have that sense of uh, happiness uh, because it's good for our marriage. It's, mm-hmm. it's good for our relationships. It's good. F- We've all had coworkers who were genuinely unhappy sure. and, <laughs> and they're hard to work with. So we're doing them a favor by pursuing this happiness. And then we're doing ourselves a favor. I think, um, emotionally by pursuing this happiness. So thanks for sharing that. And I do think a realistic definition of happiness is important. Yeah. And and I do think that when Jesus said it is better to give than receive, it, it had something to do with this happiness conversation. Yeah. That we really are better off when we're giving, when we're giving and we find something, we discover things about ourselves some unhappiness happens, Jonathan. Just because crap happens, sure. I mean, just terrible things happen. Sure. Terrible things, and and so I'm kind of setting that off to the side, okay? Uh, but terrible things happen, and yet some unhappiness happens because we've forgotten that there's a wonderful uh, f- orchard of kind uh, of fruit that happens in the orchard of kindness. Mm. That when we're kind to others, when we treat others in a unique way, we're going to really find some spring in our step that we might have dismissed and thought would be forever gone. Mm. So I think that's the the possibility here. For those whose unhappiness comes out of the great tragedies in life, I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry, and that's another book. Yeah. <laughs> that's another conversation. But for those of us who just kind of find ourselves uh, in a sense of grayness. Uh, and we were we're ready to move into a, a better day. And we can work on that.
0: We can work on that. Yeah, yeah. So to my to the question that got us here, is happiness something that you have to fight for, or does it come more naturally to you, do you think? Or
1: I would say that I have a I have not been spared some of the tragedies in life. Um, and I'm not I've not led a necessarily a I've I've, I've had uh, to think through my faith on many occasions because of the tragedies that have come in our immediate family uh, that uh, that I would that would consider unanswered prayers yeah. uh, I would like I would say though that I have a pretty good habit of happiness uh, I, I can I can pretty well. Uh, remind my I've learned that two or three simple tools that really help me get taught my way out of a slump um, you know that, that I turn to uh, when I'm when I'm find myself in one of those doldrums uh, and, and of course those are here in the book uh, the, the, the easiest is just to get my mind off of me and onto someone else yeah. and begin trying to help other people um, really genuinely listening to others. Uh, the other day I was kind of in a slump and I made a, a list of three or four people I could text. And I sent three or four text messages within 15 minutes saying, Hey, I'm thinking of you today. I hope your day's going well. If one of them, I put a Bible verse in that I thought might help her. And, and it did, it lifted me up. I mean, it, it lifted me up. So I've learned these little tools yeah. Uh, that, that have come with being 60, almost 65 years of age, you know, that I didn't have when I was 33 sure. or 34, 35 that they've come. And I'm very grateful for them. I think they're, they're really, really helpful. Uh, you know, when I go home at the end of the day, uh, I've learned to get myself in the habit of getting myself in a better mood mm-hmm. because my wife does not know everything I've gone through today and she probably doesn't. It, it, I don't always go home now. Office at home, but today I I have an office at the church. So on the days I do go home, I say, "Okay, come on, now get your mind off of this and get your mind back into that. Get your mind off of work. Get back into husband mode, and let's see if we can lift her day." And so I'm far from perfect, but just little things like that, Jonathan, have been very helpful.
0: That's really good. I think I could work on that one. That last one, for sure. <laughs> I think I'm kind of like, honey, it's your job to make me happy when I get... I mean, I I work from home. So the irony is is we're quite reversed. So she'll come home and be like, where's dinner? And I'll be like, you don't know the kind of day I've had looking after your children. <laughs> so we're... <laughs> but you know what? Actually, uh, I did that. actually When I was reading... I forget exactly where it was now. But it was one of those encourage one another uh, specifically. I think it was the encouragement chapter. And I thought... I'm going to encourage my pastor. He's one of my best friends, and I love him, and he is such a wonderful influence in our life. And for context, we're in like a church of like 80, so it's a really close, tight-knit relationship. I mean, we have dinner every Friday kind of thing. So I just grabbed my phone, and I was like, I just want to say I love you so much, man. I'm so appreciative for your influence in my life and for being my pastor and being my friend, and I just, I'm looking forward to seeing you on the weekend. And... Yeah, he replied back. Ah, oh, Jonathan, you are such an encouragement to me. Thank you. You know, we both were lifted.
1: You did. You were. You felt it. I it? felt it. I know he felt it. You had it. the boomerang effect. I call it the boomerang effect. You, you, you seek out to encourage, and you find yourself
0: encouraged. Absolutely. For 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 like a good few hours, you know, and then and then and then, but then it gives you momentum, right? And yeah, and it it reinforces the truth of what you're saying that this. Many of these things are so simple that I almost feel guilty
1: in getting credit for writing a book about them, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like greet one another. That's really my favorite Yeah, because I've realized I don't usually greet people. Like when I'm at a checkout in the grocery store uh, or I'm in a restaurant and when I was studying this, I thought there are so many people I just look at uh, kind of like they're functionaries, they're, they're. they're cogs in the machinery of humanity. And she's here to check me out of the grocery store. He's here to take my order at the restaurant. And so I've really tried to do better at saying, because most of them wear name tags, right? And so I've tried to do better and say, Jocelyn or Tom, are you having a good day today? Or, hey, I want to tell you, you're really doing a great job. Or, boy, it's been the end of the day. I bet you're ready to get home. Just little comments like that. And I would say that uh, three out of four just say thank you. I appreciate it very much. But there have been a couple of occasions where people would tear up. Mm. Nothing profound. I'm not saying that some, you know, moments of deep (laughs) depth happened, but I could tell that it was touching to them, that somebody took time to notice them. And this happened the other day in an airport when I was going through the security And uh, uh, the TSA uniformed people there, we really don't like them, you know, because they're interrupting us. And so I I haven't liked them. And, And so I'm trying to change that. And so the other day I said to one of them, thank you for keeping us safe. And she looked up at me like no one has ever said that to me before. She had that look on her face. What that did to me was I had my spring in the step back. You know, it wasn't just a trip anymore. I was on a mission mm. and, and I was going to help make somebody happy. And I could do that. I don't have to buy anything. I don't have to fix anything. I don't have to acquire anything. I don't need another diploma. I mean, that's that can happen in a heartbeat. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: And so that's like, that's humanizing to that person. There you
1: go. There's the word. And that's the word. And I
0: think, I think uh what i've come even theologically to believe is that that humanizing process is is a divine process right it's yeah it, it puts you like you use the word it puts you on mission you know which is yeah. which obviously we have this mission of the gospel but uh, you know a friend of mine said at the, wo- the with the woman at the well jesus made polite conversation and checked in with yeah. her her physical needs long before he made it a, a a spiritual discussion
1: that's a great but I point i feel like
0: yeah we we often jump to the end. Yeah. yeah. I am fascinated by your writing. Uh I by your process as well. I listened to your interview with Carrie Newhoff which is a great insight into your writing. I don't want to rehash that, but for anyone who's listening who who is intrigued about how Max could have written so many books and never use a ghostwriter, go and listen to Carrie Newhoff's leadership podcast with with Max. But I was wondering in in all these books that you've written, are there any that you uh, maybe no longer really agree with or that you might be like, ah, if I was writing that today, I would probably maybe just use different language? Yeah. Um,
1: another. That's another great question. You need to write a book on asking great questions.
0: <laughs> I'll ask Carrie to uh, – we can co-author it together. <laughs>
1: I don't, I don't think there is any book I've written that I'm not happy is, is available and that I need to retract. There's not there. I think I would emphasize, um, more these days an appreciation for the work of the Holy Spirit. I feel like I had, uh, did not have the appreciation for the, Grand work of the Holy Spirit that that I'm beginning to have these things, mm. and as I think back over my early books, a person could probably read eight or ten of them and see no reference, which which I don't think bothers the Holy Spirit. Sure. <laughs> I mean, because the Holy Spirit exists to promote Christ, yes. and 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 uh, and yet I would want to pay credit more credit. To the invisible, I, I'm calling him now my unfailing friend, mm. the Holy Spirit. And and so I, I think if I were to start way back in 85, I would uh, I would I would deal be, be more quick to give him credit.
0: Time for a brief commercial break with yours truly, Jonathan Puddle. All of this is made possible not by MeUndies or by some mattress company, but by you guys, by my Patreon supporters. Thank you so much to Pamela and Rochelle who have joined in the last week. I am working towards a goal of 300 patrons. I currently have 40. It's still amazing to me that anybody is listening to me and and helping me out with this, so I am Super thankful for every single one of you who chips in, whether it's at $3 a month or $10 or $25 or more. You guys make all of this possible for me. I quit my job almost a year ago. I can't believe it's been that long uh, to do this full time podcasting, writing. uh, And actually, I'm just kickstarting a new, uh, basically free conversation and encouragement for pastors and leaders. So if you're in ministry of any kind or you know someone who is, Oftentimes, it's really difficult to be able to talk openly and vulnerably with people in your own context when you're in a position of leadership. Do you guys know what I mean? Like, who does the pastor share with when it's time for them to get something off their chest? So I am offering uh, 52 slots a year for an hour of free conversation where you can just... Talk in a safe, confidential space with me, get some things off your chest, and then I will encourage you and tell you're doing a good job. And uh, if you want to pray together and do maybe some mindfulness exercises or just something to help you get back in touch with your humanity in the midst midst of your busy, difficult job, I get it. I've been in ministry for a long time. So let me be your friend. Let me encourage you. I love just to hear people out and encourage them. I'm an Enneagram type 2. I love everybody. So if that sounds like something that you'd be interested in, then please go to jonathanpuddle.com slash pastors, and you can fill out the form, and then you can book in a slot to just have a conversation and be told you're doing okay. And if you'd like to help support me while I do that kind of work, you can go to jonathanpuddle.com slash patreon. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I'm giving away some books this week. So I've got Max's book, How Happiness Happens, Finding Lasting Joy in a World of Comparison, Disappointment, and Unmet Expectations, as well as his kids book that's being republished, one of his many kids books that's being republished, just in case you ever wonder. We talk about that later in the episode, so you'll hear us come to that. Both of those books uh, can be ordered online. The links are in my show notes. But I'm also going to give away a copy of each together to one individual. To enter that draw simply go to jonathanpuddle.com slash giveaway, and there are some instructions there. Super easy, and I will draw the names next week on Thursday right here on the podcast. So, if you want to support me in my work, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash jonathanpuddle. If you're a pastoral ministry leader and you need some encouragement, jonathanpuddle.com slash pastors. And if you want to enter the giveaway to win Max's books here, JonathanPuddle.com slash giveaway. Back to Max.
1: Many of my books reflect my own spiritual journey as they should. Um, For me, the big question of faith was not did Jesus exit the tomb, but did he really die for my sins? Mm -hmm. Because I felt like I uh, was Uh, had made such a mess of my life when I was in my early, by the time I was in my early twenties. So many of my books have to do with grace and trusting grace, believing grace, the doctrine of grace, giving grace to others and the person of Jesus. And so those, those books, uh, I think I I feel very good about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, obviously none of us want to be soft on sin and all that kind of stuff but if you're going to get something wrong, get grace wrong, like, you know, like like better that than, 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 you know, then you stand before God and, you know, he's like, well, eh." Yeah.
1: You know, there is a book, there is a book I wrote and it's, um, when Christ comes, when Christ comes, I probably, I, I could pull it off the shelf. I would say it came out in 96 or 97. And it has to do with the return of Christ. Uh, since then, I think I have become more of, of what we in religious circles call our dispensationalist or more of a uh, an appreciation for premillennialism and the rapture and the return and how all of that, I, I, I have embraced more gotcha. the literal nature of the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel, sure. okay, which there was a time in my life, in fact, I come out of a background that says that's primarily symbolic and allegorical. Gotcha. And, and and probably about 10 years ago, I took a turn on that. And I, for reasons we don't need to go into now, became more of a, uh, I became a believer in premillennialism uh, and, the, and the literal rapture of the church. And whether right or wrong, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's something that I've come to appreciate. So as you're asking me that question, I might pull that book down uh, called "When Christ Comes" and and talk more about that those events that I think are going to proceed. I mean, be a part of the return. Yeah, of yeah Christ.
0: wonderful. I, I yeah. really appreciate it as well. You talked uh, in that interview with Carrie about how you do a deep dive on every new book topic. You know, you it's usually a sermon series, uh, and yeah. you'll get everything you can read on the subject and dig into that. Are you ever then like? Surprised or challenged by what you're learning in your research. Like maybe you've got a preconceived idea of where this is going and then whoa. Oh Yes, sir. (laughs) Yes, sir.
1: Oh my goodness. Oh my how much I have benefited from writing yeah and the and the uh, And the burden that I place on myself uh, Which is a healthy burden of saying okay, this is gonna my grandchildren will read this someday and so what I always learn things. Case in point, maybe the reason I mentioned the Holy Spirit earlier is because I'm working on a series on the Holy Spirit. right now, okay. right now for our church, and um, I, I did a deep dive into First Corinthians 12 and First Corinthians 14, not skipping 13. I love First Corinthians 13, but wanting to have a deeper appreciation. Uh, for the manifold gifts of the Holy Spirit, mm. and I learned things. I learned things, and I actually I, I felt, if I can be so bold as this, the Holy Spirit gave me a deeper understanding as I was praying through this, and I mm. sensed myself praying in a language and experience that I had not experienced before. Wonderful. And I I, I get goosebumps even right Come now, on. saying, love "Oh, it. thank you, Lord, that you've not given up on me." Yeah. You know that you you're continually revealing things to me, taking all of us to a new, a new uh, era. Um, And, and I I think I had assumed Jonathan that 64 year olds like me, uh, they pretty well got it all figured out. (laughs) And what I've learned is that on so many things, I'm just now feeling like I'm getting my mind around some of these wonderful, wonderful ideas. Mm. I can honestly say I love study and preaching as much as ever. And writing, I love it as much as ever. I've got five projects going on right now. Come on. I can barely keep <laughs> up with it, man. I, the plates are spinning. Um, I'm not leading the church staff any longer, so that's freed me right. up to do more of that. And, uh, and so I feel like I'm just getting one step into the Grand Canyon yeah. of all God wants to teach us.
0: That's so cool. I'm really blessed to hear that my grandfather who I mentioned earlier, you know, he was a man who had constantly pursued whatever God was doing new in every season. You know, was kicked out of church in the 80s for being too spirit-filled. You know, he was a bit ahead of his time. You know, did house church stuff for years and even my grandparents together in their uh late, I'm going to say, well, maybe mid to late 70s, uh, quit going to church for six months maybe because they were just like, you know what? I'm concerned this has become a like a legalistic religious thing and we need to get back to some kind of simple community expression. And they started going for tea on Sunday mornings to a local, like basically it was like a in New Zealand, they called them taverns. It's like kind of like a pub. and And my grandparents would observe these bikers and these biker huh. gangs gathering on a Sunday morning, and it impacted them in a way of the community that existed between them. So then, when they went back to church, they came back with this hunger. <laughs> so anyway, my grandfather is someone who kept doing that, and and I and I he-
1: would imagine that and in, 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 again on our topic here, they sound like happy people. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's what right. I think they were so surprised my grandparents by, you know.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a characteristic. of, I want to carry that into my. I'm in my officially entered my last season of life. Maybe it's 20, 25 years, five years. I don't know. But I would like for my children and grandchildren to say that about me someday. Yeah. Even, especially in his later years, he was still uh, discovering new things. Uh, uh, and he didn't get old and cynical and crusty. I know that's a long way for you and your generation to not be worried about that. But in our age, you, you can get that way. You can get angry at the world. You can say the, you know, the politics has gone to crap and it's just, you can get bitter and, and he, oh, here it is. Your world can get small. sure Your world can get really small uh, because you feel like you've seen it all. Yeah. And what hogwash that is, you know. So let's keep letting our world get bigger and bigger and bigger. Let God enlarge mm-hmm. our vision of what's going on. I love that.
0: So I am, uh, right now, my first proposal is with the pur- the publishers, I've oh, just landed you. an agent, I've come through all those rejections. So uh, I'd be interested in your advice. My, like, my biggest fear, I think, at this early stage of my career is one day I'm going to lose the fire. Like right now, I have to write. Like it's all just bubbling out of me, right? Like I can't not. And I think my biggest phobia is that one day I'll wake up and be like, well, I'm a writer, so I guess I'll write another book. And then, you know, it's no longer the magic. The thrill is gone. You know, do, do you ever lose the fire or or does it not go away? Or what's the deal? <laughs> oh, you're, lo- you're, you're talking
1: my topic here. I love to talk about writing and I love to talk about creativity. And I love to talk about this, this merging of the worlds between uh, inspiration and obligation. Mm-hmm. The truth of the matter is they're equally valid motivators. I love to write when I'm inspired, but I'm not always inspired. And I have an obligation as a pastor to prepare a sermon or even as an author to fulfill, turn in a contract. Can I tell you my favorite story about that? So my best selling book by far, by far in the millions is a children's book called You Are Special. And it's a story about these little wooden people in a certain village and they walk around giving each other dots if they don't like them and stars if they do like them and then uh without telling the whole story it's that's basically the premise and uh, there's a there's a woodworking uh wood carver named Eli who's a god figure in the story so anyway it's just gone all over the world it's in I don't know how many languages 20 languages it's all over the world but here's the story on that book uh I had promised Crossway Publishers Seven children's stories. Uh, I got a call on a Wednesday saying, we need number seven. (laughs) This is back in 1994, 95. We need number seven and we need it by Friday. And I said, I sent you number seven. And they said, oh, no, (laughs) you've only sent us six. You know what? They were right, Jonathan. I lost count. So I woke up on a Thursday morning saying, I got to come up with a children's story. No clue whatsoever. <laughs> so I said, oh, crud, I'd rather go, you know, biking or golfing. But I guess I got my job today is to ride a chair. Well, that's what that's that story. Uh, that is it is so well received all over the world. But came into being because I said, OK, I got to do it. Mm. I wasn't inspired. I wasn't in a good mood about it. But I at least had the wherewithal to put my butt in the chair mm. and get to work. And and so I think either way, you know, we, we ideally I hope God bless you in your writing. I hope every day you're inspired. I hope you never lose the edge. But if you do, that's okay. Hmm. The Holy Spirit is greater than our lack of edge.
0: <laughs> Thank you. That is a good word. That's a great story. <laughs> I love that. Speaking of your kids' books, uh, for folks, Just In Case You Ever Wonder has been one of Max's kids' books has been out for a while, and that is just being republished right now. Uh, I got a copy of that, read through it with my kids. And, you know, I cried, Max. It was this wonderful little moment. And I mean, my kids are 10, 9, and 6. So to get them okay. to all actually sit and pay attention, <laughs> you know, is quite something. And they all sat there. They were wrapped. They were totally into it. Oh. And and as the story ended, it, it ends in such a beautiful way that I can... It provides a lot of opportunity for me to then say, hey, I really love you guys. And and I can then be personal about it. And they they responded so well. So... Thank you for that and for this book, How Happiness Happens, ladies and gentlemen. You can uh, pre-order these now. How Happiness Happens: Finding Lasting Joy in a World of Comparison, Disappointment, and Unmet Expectations. And just in case you ever wonder, which is just really, really beautiful, Max, I've been really enjoyed this, and I feel so honored.
1: Uh, I can't believe our time is done. You're
0: you're a pro. <laughs> you're a pro at this. Well, thank you. Would you Would you pray for us as we yes. seek to yes. Allow the Holy Spirit in and and make uh, a growing happiness.
1: Amen. Lord, thank you for for Jonathan and for his steadfastness. Thank you for this book opportunity that you've given to him. May it be the first of too many to count. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence in the lives of all the people who are listening. And uh, let your blessings be upon every man and woman child. We need you, Heavenly Father. We welcome you. We ask you, Lord, to help us to be sources of happiness in what is a very unhappy world. Grant us a joy that is contagious and uh, a sense of genuine uh, contentment with, with what's going on in our lives. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: wow how about that guys max lucado a gentleman and a scholar what a pleasant pleasant man i uh, had a little bit of discussion with him off air afterwards and i was just really blessed by his generosity his kindness and his his genuineness you know a guy like max doesn't need to do these interviews he's gonna sell tons of books no matter what he does So you know just before we got on this call i thought to myself why is he even doing this it must be because he genuinely cares and as i think you can tell in his voice he genuinely cares lovely godly man god bless you sir thank you so much for coming on the show friends don't forget to win yourself a copy of How Happiness Happens, and just in case you ever wonder, jonathanpuddle.com slash giveaway. And please consider supporting me on Patreon. I need about another 260 supporters to cover all of my bills. My share of the family income comes almost exclusively from you folks supporting me on Patreon. And it is a huge blessing to me I quit my job because I felt like God said it was time to jump out of the boat and start full-time caring for people, encouraging people, supporting people through the podcast, through my writing, through my social media accounts, and I love to do it. I have made so many wonderful relationships with all of you, but there are real financial realities, and so I'm so thankful to so many of you who do support me and who just write to me, even those who are not in a position to give financially, your sharing of this content is a huge blessing to me. So thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Find me on social media at Jonathan Puddle, and we'll talk next.